Welcome everybody to this 49th edition of the Mad Axeman podcast. This week we've got the regular crew talking about their week in painting um, and also their week in sneaking deliveries in through <laughs> through the mailbox and past the security guards in their houses. And in a new departure, we also do, I wouldn't say a deep dive, more a sort of splash around in the shallow end looking at the late Imperial Roman army, discussing a bit of the history, a bit of the shield pattern stuff and also cantering through what figures you can choose if you're putting that army together. We have Andy's quiz and we also have the results from our first ever giveaway from episode 48 and uh, also don't forget watch out for the love eggs this means war war. right well this is number 49 um that's seven more than the answer to life, the universe and everything, I guess, which shows how long we've been doing this podcast. And, and here we are after a vaguely brief hiatus. But, but by delaying it, we've managed to get into full, proper UK, well, not UK, England-wide um, lockdown. I think there's a, a shorter lockdown in Wales and there's a, a different lockdown um, in Scotland and then something else going on in, in Northern Ireland that's pretty similar but just got a different name. Um, so we're all kind of locked in, really. That's that's the long and the short of it, which gives us a great opportunity to um, get ourselves together on back on a normal Monday night recording session in lieu of Central London War Games Club actually being open. And well, Adam, um, could, Adam could nip out tomorrow or Wednesday to play a game. It's oh, true, actually. Yeah, yeah, Adam, you, you can sneak in. You've got a couple more days down on the south coast, but the rest of us are all all effectively shuttered um, as, as much as we can already as our category two goes up to category four on our three point scale of, of previous lockdowns. And, um, and in this one, we, we discussed last time we we're out attempting to do something a little bit different. We can't do 50 the same um, and trying to have a bit of a focus on one particular army, which will be the, the late Romans in Art de la Guerre. I think it's one that we covered in a list section um, about a dozen or so or half a dozen or so podcasts back. But we wanted to try and do something different and, and have a bit more of a chat about the actual army, the figures, how it gets put together, what, what really happens. So we'll see how that goes, see if we actually know anything whatsoever at all about wargaming. But before we do that, we've got the full set of seven back, as usual. Um, we can see people, I think Simon, Dave and um, Adam and Andy are all literally painting as we speak um which is not a bad turnout that's four out of the seven and i think everybody is is literally drinking as we speak um anybody raise a glass here we go oh yeah that's a much fuller set really that's all seven definitely um i did um i did get my lockdown lockdown was announced and i think within a couple of hours i had an email from my account with majestic wine warehouse saying we are staying open as an essential business which certainly, which certainly cheered me up and got me through it um but without further ado, let's start going round the houses and have a talk about what's been painted in the last week. So if I start with Tamsin and your fantastic Judge Dread wallpaper that you have behind you, am I guessing that's, is that a Judge Dread thing or was it infamy still over the last couple of weeks? Um, it was a mix. I, I said I'd started painting so, uh, some copperstone figures. Hmm. I think I said I started painting some copper stone. Yeah, I think they'd just been, they'd arrived last time we were on, wasn't it? I think these were the... No, I think I, last time I said I'd ordered, to, ordered some ah, figures from okay. Warlord Games, but that's, they have arrived, but that's not these. Uh, so I painted up some copper stone, sort of near future military, military types. Hmm. 
users, the second city defence force for uh, Judge so Dredd. How can you tell which are the Trumps and which are the Bidens? Yeah, I'm not sure America's quite got to that stage yet. But um, yeah. So these aren't specific Judge Dredd type figures? No, then, these, are, just future... these are old ones from cop Copperstone Miniatures. I, just, I wanted a sort of a different looking city death and... Yeah. No, they're really good sci-fi. Yeah, and given sort of the more military theme, they look a bit more like Mercs from Commando or Predator. So they're obviously yeah. from the Arnie Schwarzenegger block. Right. Is that what it's known as, the Arnie Schwarzenegger film range or something like that? No, it's just <laughs> near future. So I had fun the future badasses and stuff like that. It looks like you've yeah, got so some really good... Um, painting those up and... Yeah, no, they've got really, um, they've got like really kind of ripped... Part. But they look like they've got really ripped arms and stuff like that. Um, how did you do, what was your layering? Because I always try and do that kind of layering on the arms every every now and then to give that sort of, you know, right, find the muscles, right. but I, it always looks a mess when I end so, up doing with, it. So for flesh, I tend to, well, for Caucasian flesh, I tend to do something like start off with saddle brown, then a mix of saddle brown and red beige. I, I'm talking Vallejo colours here. Then I do flesh wash, and then I layer up with, with sort of red beige, adding in a bit of a lighter colour, either a sort of light flesh or or, or one of the skin tones. Do you do you blend them in, or is it just sort of layering and sort of pseudo dry brushing? Because my, my I always it's layering. I don't do don't do dry brushing on flesh normally. Right, but are you, are you layering them kind of wet, or is it? It's wet layering. Dry? So each, each layer is dry before I apply the next. So okay. right, okay. smaller area each time, just build up. So it's about four or five layers. After the wash, about four or five layers. That might be where I go wrong then, because I always try and think, can I do this in about two? Um, and then it just doesn't really work properly. Yeah, on the 28, you need to take your, take your time, take your time yeah. to get, get it looking smooth. Yeah, uh, no, they look uh, grand. So... Some of the females, rather the Caucasian, the Caucasian females in there, rather than using red beige, I start off with, I think it's rose brown, which gives a more, a slightly pinker look. Hmm. Is that right. one of the characters? Rose brown. <laughs> it's one of the people in, um, in 2018. And then there's some more of your, um, your stencils and graphics and things on the walls as well there. Well, that, um, that's all, those were all trains which were painted and shown here before, so yeah. And besides that, I've got the leader figures for Infamy primed, and I've started painting the mounted figures, okay. mounted leaders. So I've got the horses done and made a little bit of a start on the, on the riders. Yeah. But I'm taking it, slow, taking it slow and easy at the moment. No, that's good. Okay. That's fantastic. No, that, that looks really, really gritty and urban. Hello, um, They'll, they'll fit in very well when you move up north, I imagine. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's the way it'll work. Um, okay. So, um, Peter, what about you? What, what's been your last couple of weeks? Um, I'm, I'm just trying to remember. Did you buy some Brunswickers? Were you one of the, the internet Brunswicker people, or did you go for another country? Um, or, or were I, they even countries yeah, then? No, I've got, um, it's, uh, I've got s several that are uh, coming along. It's, uh, I was thinking of getting some Brunswick. I've got uh, Bavarians on the way, some AB Bavarians. Um, I've got some from Andy that I've just undercoated, but I'm still waiting for my order to come in of the, some of the Bavarians. Meanwhile, I've just been uh, uh, going through a backlog of stuff at, uh, 
trying to get stuff cleaned up and then undercoated where each time I go to do undercoating, it's then starts raining. So it's, oh, no. it's been fits and starts. So I normally yeah. just spray it all outside. So finding a yeah. spot where it's not going to get spotty. It's just been, so it's actually been a kind of self-discipline thing about trying to actually do this with, um, do the undercoat on a whole lot of figures first then. Mm. Yeah, it's just sort of cleaning up and prepping because um, with the nights drawing in and everything else and being on lockdown, um, I just want to get a whole sort of production line ready because uh, uh, I like to, um, if I'm doing a unit, I like to do it as a batch because I always forget what colours I'm using and everything else. I know <laughs> some people are much more disciplined and, yes. um, you know, much Jamsin. more set yep. out. Yep. In, uh, yep. you know. Yep. I, and some people have even got notes from when they were a teenager, haven't they, Dave? Um, about shell homework. designs and things. Uh, I'm I'm barely lucky if I I remember you know which Vario paint I was using last week. So um, I like to do them on mass. Yeah. <laughs> As a group, a especially sort of like the um, um, the regiment type looking ones because uh, one it's a lot easier for me to paint and two I find it looks a little bit better on the tabletop. Okay. So how many um, how many undercoated figures do you think you've got then or managed to get through this week? Uh, uh, three figures. <laughs> three. All right. Okay. Uh, no, a bit three of a figures. Oh, three figures. All oh, right. Okay. You're. You're. Yeah. What, does that mean that there's someone listening in on you that you don't want to admit how much you bought? I don't. Yeah. I you would, would never say that. that at all. No, you wouldn't want to admit that at all either. <laughs> no, okay. it's just. It's just the. I, I don't admit it to myself because then I know I've got to paint the damn stuff. Um, but yeah. um, no, it's just getting it ready i mean the um ones i've got to plow through literally uh, plow horses uh is a cavalry because it's just um I, I like to make the horses look a bit more lifelike and you can't just do them all regimental colors and everything else you've got to actually put a bit more into them um mm. but um i'm aiming now ha having spoken to a few people in this group and done a bit of research to have sort of some of the allied contingents that um, a lot of the Napoleon armies rock up with. So Bavarians with the French and Austrians, some uh, Brunswickers um, as well. They turned up in a, a couple of different things. So um, been happily surprising myself with a couple of things on that just to add up. And then, um, you know, looking at a couple of other lists for next year when the next version of the ADLG book comes, comes through. Okay, so so it's just a whole set of undercoated figures of all sorts of different periods. I think, absolutely. Yeah, I, I suppose the risk is with if you do that, you end up chipping little bits off the undercoat. Or ah, um, uh, no, I've got I've basically got a couple of boxes where I've just lined them with foam, so right. it's almost like my mini production oh, wow. line. So they go there, okay. they're off right. ready because um, I've just had plenty of experience of like doing a project, then stuff goes crazy with work or family and everything else, having to store it away. So I've just got it there ready to go. This box, so I've got one box with like Persians in, one box with Napoleonics in, and it's just there to pull out. When I'm ready to tackle that unit, I can just go at it and have fun. Okay. All right. Well, that's um, it's, it's good self-discipline there to get that all done. Um, and I think you mentioned Dave going back to Dave's childhood and some sort of, you know, I guess written on parchment sort of notes from, from, his early painting experiences uh, is it what was it was it papyrus dave or was it um actually you know chinese made paper well you you actually wrote that did you was it you yeah, 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 yeah. that's right yeah that was the original one
No, it's a, we, we'll talk about late Romans later on, but it was actually my copy, my original copy from the second season of Phil Barker's Armies and Enemies of Imperial Rome, where I, I find it tough to cross-reference the shield pattern, hmm. the actual description of which unit was which. Oh, that was so a classic, I, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I copied yep. the page of the shield patterns, yep. cut them out and glued them in the book next to the description so I could tell which yeah. were which. <laughs> Oh, this that is, is old school. At least 40 hmm. plus years ago. So. Wow, yeah. When, well, when, you were, when you were less geeky than you are now, possibly. Well, that's kind of how I got into UCL to study ancient yeah. history, I think. <laughs> Thanks to Phil Barker. <laughs> but did you, But what, uh, what have you been painting, though, this week? Sorry, I'm just opening another pen here. Early so, doors. Um, uh, all the light infantry and the bowmen for the Franks are done and dusted. So is that is that all of the Frank, all the three Frankish armies then, or just just? And I've still got three bags of uh, twenty four each of uh, Frankish heavy foot still left to do. That's another what nine nine or ten bases definitely. I've yeah, you'll definitely 10. get ten bases out of that. Uh, but to, uh, I've I've got bored of doing that stuff, so hmm. I'm actually doing some uh, French line infantry uh, limbers. Okay. Are there are there line infantry limbers different to the other types of limbers, or are they just uh, well, the limbers? Line artillery limbers. Like yeah, line line, line artillery French line artillery limbers. So <laughs> I've been painting them, getting them prepared. What, what's the difference? Dare I ask? Uh, they're line artillery, and not like not horse artillery, and they wear like more infantry sort of uniforms, but in a in a grey apparently. I've discovered. Ooh. So actually, yeah. there, there is a different colour then. They do, we um, talk about the artillery yeah. train, like more kind of light blue, I thought, with black shackles, but maybe, no, maybe that was wrong. I thought the, the French had just sprayed them all blue. That is blue-grey. It's a blue-grey uniform, so I'm actually sitting there painting those. Yeah, but this is the artillery train. They're not like real soldiers. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you need a few, a couple of limbers at least. And I've repainted yeah. uh, what was... Fog N skirmishes, so uh, yeah, Turalias, Voltigers, and I've rebased them onto 40 millimeter by 15 so I can use them for skirmish, skirmish, skirmish stands, yeah, and also for squares. And um, I've got I found some other French, I've got about 12, 16 French line which I can base on 40 by 15 so I can turn them into squares as necessary. But my, my other purchase, my new purchase has arrived, which is my Württemberg division, which is not as huge as it sounds like. Um, but <laughs> uh, one sort of, I don't know, battalion regiment of uh, Württemberg light infantry, who, quite frankly, I wouldn't be able to tell much difference between them and the French light infantrymen. Have they got shackles or have they got sort of like rapid helm type hat hats? Well, they've got shakos on with. I mean, right, shakos. They haven't got a plume. No. They've got. A, I suppose they have got a vaguely different. Uh, uh, are you going to be sort of like writing on the basis of these so you can actually tell who's who in a year's time? Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've got. Yeah. I've got uh, twelve of the light infantry marching, and the same again. Or have you got another book, Dave, with uh, sort of like the Württemberg division and then a picture of them by the side of it? Well, that's th this has been. I know absolutely fa about Württemberg. 
in this in the moment was. So I've had to be doing some research. So um, I've actually been going online and I, I bought I bought flags for them from somebody called uh, not War Flags, somebody else, uh, Maverick Flags. Yeah, their yep. stuff's very nice. Yeah, I bought them for my French line infantry. I bought the um, the material one, which I didn't quite. So I've gone for the one which is oh, the cloth ones. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're nice. This time I've gone for the paper ones. But the Wurzenberg, basically, there's only like four units of line infantry in their entire army. So you just buy each one, mm. and they're pink, yellow, green, or something like that, depending on you know. So they, that's going to be fun. That's going to be my winter. Yeah, that's what that's project. Kind of for Napoleonics. That's going to be your yeah. next next couple of months. Um, just sitting here sharpening the bayonets when the lockdown extends. Okay. This means war. Andy, what, what about you? Um, what have you done over the last couple of weeks? Well, I've more or less finished the um, feudal English. Um, Kearns, cavalry, spearmen, um, a whole lot. And then I've, I've also rebased some of the old metal ones, which I bought from Clive. And um, so they're practically finished now. So I'm now moving on to under, um, trying to finish sort of bits of 15 mil stuff I've got floating around. Like um, I'm undercoating some camels at the moment, which will be for the Seleucids. And if I decide to go for the um, Persians, they'll be in that army as well. All right. So just some odds, bits and pieces then. Um, odds and sods. And I did think, oh, hang on, what am I going to paint? I'm going to run out of things. Then I suddenly remembered that I've got a load of World War II miniature aeroplanes uh, to paint. And I've got the Italian fleet in one, one three thousand scale to paint. And I've got the basic set. Is that before or after it was scuttled? Because um, um, one could be easier than the other, couldn't it? Yeah, but it, you know, you can't really put them on the table if, if they've been deemed to be scuttled by then. You know, so it's, it makes it. It depends. You know, scenario-based games are all the rage, really, aren't they? It could be. Um, <laughs> could be the answer. Yeah, to take them out at Toronto. Yeah, there was a, there was a a, some, a a war games group. I don't know who they were. A few years ago at some shows. They had a demonstration game of Taranto that you could take part in, and uh, you know the idea was to fly a fairy swordfish and try and sink an Italian battleship. Um, and I've, I've actually one of my um, long-term ambitions is to do a campaign based on Malta convoys, where um, Operation Pedestal was the, the big one that went through in 1942, where you had the British fleet to force the convoy through because Malta was about to starve. And there was a possibility the Italian fleet could have come out and challenged it. And so that would be, a, um, and I've got a set of war game rules from, I can't remember who they are now, but it's got a, a sort of mini, mini campaign module for that. So I thought that might be something to try sometime. Okay, well that, would, would that be using um, those, those um, what is it, cruel seas fleets at all, or is it just bigger scale stuff than that? No, it's much smaller than that. It's the because um, cruel seas is just like motor torpedo boats and stuff. Um, I've got the basic kit for that, but this would be a battleships and cruisers in one to three thousand scale. So uh, you'd be using a full size table, but smaller ships. Okay. Physically smaller oh. ships, but they represent you know bigger uh, types of ship. Super tiny stuff. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, what about you, Simon? Because um, I, th I think you know. One actually just reminds me whilst we're um, we're on it. I think on, on 
the last week or so, um, I got something through on Google. Um, so this is going to be a supplementary question as well as what you've been painting. Um, so one of the many places this podcast is syndicated is on Google Podcast Manager. So you can get this on Google. And um, that gives me some stats on, on what sort of search terms people are putting in when this podcast pops up. And, um, you know, clearly number t top one, um, 380 search terms for Mad Axman um, or 381 impressions for Mad Axman and this podcast comes up if you're searching for podcasts. Um, a very poor second after that 381 was made to measure shutters in rugby. Um, <laughs> not quite sure why anybody would um, find this podcast interesting if they're looking for for replacements for, for storm to stormproof their windows but you know if, if you're here i'm sure we could recommend someone and then um well, number four was, rugby. yeah possibly it might be the other type of rugby but then number four um with 13 people keying this in which is probably a thing in its own right but but and this podcast comes up on google apparently if you key this in was vibrating eggs australia so so simon if you'd like to as our resident expert tell us both what um what, what you've been painting this last week or so and um also if you've got any insight into what you know we've no idea obviously um none of us have seen um 50 shades or been forced to watch it so um vibrating eggs australia how do they how do they work from a wargaming point of view i don't understand <laughs> well you know you've been in lockdown for uh, three to six months you're quite bored you know there's not much else to do um is it, is it a paint stirrer, maybe, or is it something like that? Or it definitely stirs a few things. It, it helps um, reinvigorate blood flow and uh, yeah. focuses, focuses your mind on things, but not necessarily painting, possibly. No, but yeah, no. Um, um, Victoria, where I'm from or used to live, um, they just came out of a 113-day lockdown. So um, I think by the end of that, quite a few new creative <laughs> ideas had come to mind. Right. Okay. So it is lockdown related then, possibly. That might be the link. It's the kind yeah, of thing yeah, that yeah. you look for in, in lockdown. And you're looking for a lockdown podcast and um and you're also searching for, for vibrating eggs Australia. Yeah, it's, it might be a question with um they're talking about love eggs, Australian vibrating love eggs. And I was thinking, were they emu love eggs, chicken eggs, goanna or other lizard eggs? Because you know the, the different sizes could really yeah. Imagine an ostrich one. Sulfur, <laughs> sulfur crested cockatoos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, we're talking Australian emus, not ostriches. Emus, ostriches. What about platypus? Do they lay eggs? Is that or is that no? They're marsupials still, are they? I can't never remember. Sulfies. Do platypi platypi lay eggs? Platypus lay eggs. I think they do. Of course they do. So um. So it, there's no no manufacturer we know who makes um, small scale platy pie with or platy pie eggs. Maybe that's um, something for some of these niche I'd manufacturers. I'd be amazed if Eureka don't. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Actually, they're the experts for it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he, he does have a he does have a range of um, kangaroos with battle armor and weapons. So, right, um, and I guess one of those weapons could be a, a vibrating love egg hand grenade. Possibly. <laughs> In fact, it probably goes back to those gnomes that I picked up as well, doesn't it? But 
All right. So look, we can we can actually that is a very legitimate. There's a legitimate link. Then we've made a wargaming link and we've made a lockdown link. So <laughs> so possibly it does fit. But but more pragmatically, what what have you been painting in the last couple of weeks? Um, haven't pa- haven't painted too much brand new. Um, I've just got a bunch of stuff on the work table. But what I did manage to complete was the ADLG Fantasy Dwarf Army. Ah, they were nearly done last time, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, so I've now got, um, you only need 20 or so bases for an army, so I've got 35 bases up so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, What you need is 10 of Dave's um, bases of Gothic foot to go with it as kind of giants or something. Yeah, because, you know, big hairy people with um, swords is always quite good. Um, But they've come out quite nice. And as most wargamers do, you're sort of rummaging through the box and you find random 25 mil... Um, warlord renaissance generals so i found um, another general that i hadn't painted up so can't remember which one it is but he's um some english civil war general with a big he looked point. a bit like king charles could be but just another one pointing at someone saying go that way so okay nice yeah um, i guess warlord have released a new set of 28 mil yeah i had to stay away from the more generals wasn't it yeah, I have, to, I have to stay away from that website because it can get expensive. Uh, they look really good. Yeah. Um, it made me reading about the Bishop's War. Mm. Oh, okay. All right. We're not back to the Love Eggs thing, are we? With, um, no? No, I, I, no, I found no out about a new, a new yeah, no war. Bashing them. Bishop's War. Yes, yeah. no Bishop Bashing War. Fine. Yeah. Um, we're all getting a bit too fat lardies there, aren't we, really? Um, it's all turning a little bit top gear. Um, all right, so it's been a it's been a finishing off of dwarfs then. So to, yeah. that's all still getting smutty, isn't it? You've not been finishing off any dwarves this week, um, right? So, Adam, um, what about what about you with your boom shakalaka t-shirt on there and um, and painting and still got your bandit mask on as well? Oh yeah, no, so I, I just wear it until I go to bed. So I don't forget it when I go out. Um, I have been so pleased with the painting I've been doing for the last two weeks. First, I've finished off the Roman Cav, which um, was mainly basing, um, but I haven't managed to get them varnished yet for the last 10 days. Mm. But I started a batch of 12 New Midian Cav and 12 Slingers. Um, and do you know, Tim, you were saying that you really dislike doing cavalry. So yeah. Mm. Do the horses first. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. So I was doing the horses and the Numidians, and I've realised why I don't like doing horses. It's not that the horses are a pain. It's, it's the horse and the saddle and the saddle blanket and the straps yeah. and the reins yeah. and yeah. dangly bits ha- hang- hanging off the reins. Yeah. And when you're doing the horse, because of all the straps, you've yeah. got to do them, and it's just a pain. Whereas Numidian horses... Yeah. Ah, just... It's just a horse, yeah. It's like just water. So that that was um, really, really... The, uh, the annoying bit for me when you're painting the horses is you, you think you're about done, then you just turn it the wrong way and you realise you missed a bit. Uh, and it's just the way you've been holding it. There's always that one bit um, well, where you miss. I, I don't get that. But the other good thing, because where I'm doing the skirmishes, I can actually base them first. So they're two to a base, and it's like really easy to like move them around. And because there's not loads of straps and other things going on, I can use my elephant brush to paint the horses. Yeah, and it's been really, really quick. And I've got twelve singers and twelve numidians, and I'm just going to basically finish him this evening, apart from basic. Yeah. So, um, which for me is horrendously quick. Are they? So, um, are they those Victrix figures again? Yeah. Still full set of those? 
Yeah, I only needed two bases and Numidians, but I thought at some point I'll probably do some Carthaginians yeah. or something like that, so I'll get them all painted up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how I've just got them boxed out really, really quickly. Um, okay. I've had, um, had a few games. Um, I had a mini competition yeah. a week yeah. or two oh, yes, ago. yes, you did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that? Um, that, that was fun. It was just... I just um, in fact, I couldn't get there for the first game, um, but it was a couple of games in a day, turned up. Play talk soldiers, talk nonsense, usual sort of stuff. That, that was quite good. Um, and now I'm glad I got... Did you get some tea down you? I got an awful lot of tea down me, uh, but I was there for a good good few hours, so I didn't have to sort of like, didn't have to push it. So um, all in all, um, that's I've been been having a successful couple of weeks hobby um, before we all um, get to back into painting only. That's yes. sort of part of the way the hobby works. Well, um, as a special um, tribute to the lockdown, um, mm. I've given up on my usual beer for the day and. Okay. Uh, You've got Corona, okay. Yeah, I it was You've got to get some Corona down you because it's You've got um... lime in the bottle top. Sorry? You've got a lime stuffed in the top. No, I haven't. Although this um this bottle is not particularly close to the camera. It is just a very big bottle. Wow. <laughs> so that's a pint of corona then. It's kind it's of you've got a... 710 milliliters as opposed to the six hundred and fifty or whatever. But um so yes. Um Life is good. No, that's excellent. Out of the house. Good, excellent. No, well, certainly for me, it's been more finishing off. I think I uploaded a load of pictures of those um, kit-bashed Arabs, which look kind of good. Um, I've I've been concentrating on starting to get to grips with some of the infantry, having finished off all the cavalry, and I've got a, a couple of bases of the Black Guard spearmen, which are using some some of my favourite. 28 mil figures actually i think I've, I've done some of them before for a saga army in 28 mil but there's a range from north star under one of their sub brands that do some really tough looking kind of fully cloth around the faces kind of spearmen um which which kind of work out okay that i've i've painted up as black garden this is this is one of my final never done before experiments with contrast paints so there's a a black Templar, which I'm sure my Arab spearmen will not want to know that they've been painted in black Templar, because that's a bit culturally inappropriate. But it's kind of a really dark, um, obviously it's really dark, sort of, it's a little bit greeny, but you know when you you paint it, it paint up black and you want to sort of dry brush it with a bit of blue or, or something, um, this kind of does that for itself um, because it's a contrast paint. And whilst it's not quite black i guess i'm really really chuffed with it because black is sometimes too black um for for genuine cloth and whether anybody in the middle ages or you know ancient period or history would would actually be able to dye black 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 properly black cloth you kind of don't think so so this color's come out really really well so I, i'm going to be taking some photos of those um the other thing the Isn't other good thing about looking them, um flat because um i know what yeah. you're saying about the black because sometimes yeah when you just really have the does. plain black it just looks yeah i wonder if um it's a bit difficult getting the no the light doesn't really work on this are those metals or plastic they're metals um they're one of the north star there's like two or crusader three or north, crusader or artisan i think it's crusader but it, it yeah crusader might be artisan. Not the ancients, doesn't it? yeah it might be artisan it's part of their moorish range um they're really nice and they're actually quite big 
bulky figures as well. So what I found is my heavy infantry base, you can only actually fit six of the buggers on it, which makes it much more cost effective to, to make them into spearmen. But they do still fill the whole base. Um, they come in packs of four. So I've got two packs of four and then a couple of the gripping beast plastic ones to kind of fill out the back rank um, and add to it and give them a little bit more variety because the variety is just a, a smidge, smidge limited. And I've got a load of bowmen. I've done a couple of bases of um, bowmen as well, from which are mostly these North Star figures as well, using some sort of blues and, um, and a, a set in red as well, with the different contrast paints on those. Someone photographed people on the um, what is up thing of the ones painted in black. Yeah, is that that's the contrast paint because it looked like you just... did a dry brush. No, that's just the contrast paint on oh, a white undercoat. Like a grayish dry brush on top. That's no, it does. It, it kind of naturally comes out like that. So, um, you know, that's that's the paint. It's really good. And I've just done a little, picked out some of the details in reds or blues, but um, really, really, really chuffed with them. And it just gives me a bit of a spur. Now I've done the two units of of good quality spearmen just to hurl myself at all the rest of them. And then I did also buy in some some more kind of kit bashing experiments. So I got. A pack of the um it's not victrix the the persian archers from war games atlantic and um i got uh, what else did i get i got a pack of the perry um new afghans afghans as well um which are kind of very comedy arabic um you know they're, they're kind of carry on film arabic um with turbans and things like that and then one more pack of um just trying to think who the other ones were um as well as the victrix ones um there's, yeah there's one more i wonder who else it might have been um i think possibly it's the war games atlantic actually they also do a set of afghans as well and i've kind of kit bashed them together with um the the remaining spare arab heads from all these different gripping beast things to to make a very eclectic um mix of um what will be that gaznavid mixed infantry and archer formation um which i suddenly realized i could actually use some of the um the persian sparabara wicker shields and as a front rank they'll you know they'll look sort of possibly okay-ish to make them particularly different to the rest of the um the generic arab spearmen um with the arab heads on them so some of the heads are a bit different sizey um the peri heads are are quite big the um and then some of the other bodies are it the odd, the odd weird thing, though, with the War Games Atlantic figures, they're really nice figures, the, their Persian archers particularly, but their bows and their swords are so delicate. You know, they, they might be proper scale for 28mm figures, but compared to the other ones, I, you know, I ended up not using any of their, um, their arms and certainly not any of their swords because the, the sword was almost like a, a needle. Um, and you're just thinking this is not going to survive wargaming usage. And it, it was kind of an odd one to think there's been so many plastic figures for so long. And this is kind of a, you know, it's not the first time that it's not the first ranges they've come out with, but to see these so, so fragile looking bows on, on people, they, when other ones have got, you know, they do have a bit tree trunky, some of the gripping beast ones, but, but they're, they're kind of odd. So, Hopefully, I think this week looks like it's going to clear up weather-wise towards the end of the week, but, but still be a bit nippy. So I might manage to get those ones undercoated and then over the next month have a bit of a blitz on 
on finishing off um, all of those infantry. And, and get saying them. about the swords, do you know what that reminds me of? Yeah. Well, Malifaux figures, mm. who, which are completely and utterly beautiful and they're yeah. fantastically made and fantastically cast. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing they haven't done is manufactured them in a way that they're actually usable toys in a game to play with yeah because they're so good but they're so delicate that yeah. it's sort of like and you're yeah. looking at how to put two bits together and it's like how am yeah. i going to pin this 28 millimeter stiletto yeah. here yeah. to the um ground and it's like sometimes it's really really frustrating that they're obviously able to make fantastic figures but they've given no thought to yeah. how those figures are going to be used but i think so, with, with adam you usually do a lot of how am i going to stick on stiletto heels is that uh, a regular occurrence for you <laughs> back back to the love eggs back to the love eggs really um can i just check love eggs are they something you shove up your ass for pleasure well not personally speaking no that's yeah. games workshop I, I paint figure figure holders for painting yes games workshop figure painting holders yes yeah that's another internet sensation of the last few weeks isn't it they do oh. a single grip thing for um for painting fastening figures on the top and it's it's got clear um clear other use potential for for certain oh. parts of the community i believe um but so so the internet tells me allegedly but but i think with malifaux though you are only picking up one figure at a time and you're only touching them you know yeah. seven or eight times during the game really you're not you're not moving them around a lot whereas with um our sort of figures, they're multi-based and you're picking up one or two of them to pick up a big block of the figures on the base and it, you're maybe moving them around a bit more, I don't know. But but it, it was really striking compared to all of the other manufacturers and the way that they make spears that this lot had just suddenly gone, sod it, we're doing them to scale. And and it almost gives you a compatibility issue. But But I guess with plastic figures, you can even just cut off the hand and use a different hand from a different set with with a thicker bow or something like that, and still use the arms. So you know, it's it's not um it's not tragic, but it was just really really kind of striking. But you know, but that's that's the that's the Persians, and I think that's the the roundup for the painting this week. This means war. Look, that was painting, and now we move on, of course, seamlessly with no appreciable link whatsoever to the glory of Rome, or possibly the the beginning of the end, or the end of the beginning, or the middle of the end of the beginning, or or something, depending on whether you're you're a fan of Gibbons or um, or other um, primates or or whatever. Um, but I think you know, looking around the around um, the screen here, we've got some experts and. Um, and some painters and war gamers around the mix as well. But um, I think possibly the best place to start is the man who, who notated his own notatum digitatum. And yes. um, we're not back to love eggs again with that one, are we? Um, notated his own notatum digitatum back in the, the mid 1940s or whenever it was. Um, and, and Dave, so talk us through, this is a period in the Roman army. If I'm looking at the, um, if I'm looking at the list, we're using the ADLG list because all of these Roman things are a little bit of a const artificial construct, whether it's late or, or you know what brand it is. But this is really the period from 
from ADLG terms 307 to 425 AD, which is sort of the tail end of Diocletian's accession and ending sort of towards um, the beginning of when it turned into the dominant army. Um, tail end of this is when the Western Empire sort of felt a bit, but the, um, yeah, and the East sort of turned into Byzantines. Sorry? Have you got Wikipedia up on the screen? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, you can't imagine I actually know this crap. You know, my God. I just know that they might have like red no, shirts. It sounds good. Really. It sounded really impressive. It was, it well, was good. You know, I, I can read all, it's great in Zoom because on a podcast, no one can see what you're looking at. So, but Dave, Tim, you, what was um, the Roman equivalent of chicken marengo? Does it tell you? I think that's later on in the episode. But Dave, talk us through this kind of period of the, you know, what were the big battles? What were the big enemies? What was happening with the empire? What was happening with the army? So we're in the late Imperial Roman, hmm. before, before the Roman Empire. We're kind of, I think we begin with Constantine. He's born in York. Okay. And he back and creates a dynasty in Rome. But we're talking about a period at the, so we're talking at the end of a lot of civil wars where Diocletian, Constantine, and the, the Romans are splitting their empire into two halves and then into quarters. So you have a senior emperor and a sub-emperor and then two other ones. They all have their own field armies. They still end up having quite a few civil wars. <laughs> so um, was, was the split to, to those you know, smaller divisions because it became too big to manage and it was an administrative thing or was it, was it actually princedoms yeah. and fiefdoms setting up as different power bases and you know, what, what drove it? Was it top down, bottom up? None of them could command enough right. of an army to overcome the others totally. So it was just stalemate. It was done as a policy decision that if one man couldn't cover the whole empire yeah. And if the emperor was busy here, the other end of the empire either got overrun or upset that it was being ignored. So it was a policy decision of it's just too much for one emperor. It's kind of the beginning of the empire being split into eastern and western hmm. for administration purposes. Also for the purpose that you've got distinctly different opponents. You know, the western okay. part of the empire is fighting the Goths at this point whereas the eastern part of the empire is fighting the Parthians and then the Sassanids. So you've got two distinctly different armies appearing. Plus, as I say, you've got a lot of civil wars. You've got um, Constantine, civil war comes to power. Milvian Bridge, where I've been to in Rome, I've got photos of that. That's a good spot in Rome if anybody goes there. Uh, we like that. Um, you've got Julian, trying to take on the Persians and going all the way into central Persia before getting caught a cropper. And, and you've got the beginning of the Christian period as well. So is this the, the classic era of the Romans going into the desert against the Parthians and then the Persians and, and all those sorts of battles? Or, or is it a bit... Or yeah. Am I getting the Parthians confused? Because there's the... Well, I thought the earlier ones were... The Crassus has died and all that sort of nonsense. The, 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 the Parthians was about about 300 years before that i think they'd been kind of overtaken by the sassanids by then okay. yeah, yeah yeah it is that sort of period i mean 
yeah, you come through that second century, third century crisis in the Roman Empire, and now they're sort of recovered and they're doing quite well in actual fact. But um, no, it's it's a lot of there's a lot of warfare going on. Mm. Um, it's the period when the Roman Empire stopped expanding, but it's you know it's trying to measure itself. Um, it's also changed its identity quite a lot. The, the army is no longer the army of the legionaries fighting in the classical square shielded, uh, you know, without getting specific about different Roman armies. The, the Lorica Segmenta is the classic Roman army, Roman yeah. army that everybody knows with the little plates sewn on. That, so that's the one from um, which was from the probably film, less prevalent than most people imagine. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah for Hamata, the chainmail was yeah. probably much more common. So chainmail's their main form. Um, they've, uh, as we've all been discussing earlier, a lot they've all ch they've changed their shields. Their shields have gone much more gradually from the third century onwards to this point. Their shields have become much more oval. And I think, I think that's because they form a kind of shield wall to protect themselves from arrows. Um, it actually gets referred to as phalanxes. Because a lot of their opponents, particularly in the East, are now like horse archers. So they've been mm. fighting the Allens quite a bit, that sort of thing. And they fight a lot of stages of the, the Hunnic Confederation. Well, this runs up to the Huns and Attila yeah. as well. So, I mean, it, it's a period in wargaming terms. I think a lot of ancient wargamers begin their armies with a, with a late Roman army. It's one that every wargamer's got, every ancient wargamer's got as a late Roman army. And also because we've got a lot of evidence, as you said earlier, and uh, you've got the thing called the Notitia Dignitatum, which is like a list of, well, allegedly a list of Roman shields. So it, it's been found in medieval books from the 14th century and, the, and it's supposed to be covered with copies and copies and copies down through history of actual original Roman uh, shields from this period, um, which you know, just tell you where those units came from. So you've got, for example, you've got a yellow shield with red lines across it, um, which is supposed to be a, a British infantry unit of the Roman army. Um, so the other thing that's interesting to say is that a lot of the Roman army at this period are now barbarians who are being brought into the Roman army, trained as Roman soldiers. So they've got a lot of, you know, you've got units which are Gothic, which are Goths. So on their shields in the Notitia Dignatum, you've got like a stake with a head on top, which is always good fun <laughs> to paint. And uh, there's also some very, very good transfers for doing this army. Okay, so is that you know that move towards this you know gothic barbarian thing? Is that moving away? You know, is that what undermines the army? In because the art, you know, the empire still sounds like it's it's not shrinking, um, but it's it's still attempting to do some kind of outreach <laughs> into into the hinterlands. Or, or were it's, all the battles they fought defensive to um, to kind of maintain the empire they had? I think it's still going strong. It's got a field army, which is significant. It's got it's still got an infantry corps, but it is becoming a lot more cavalry based to counter its enemies. Its enemies are now, you know, it's moved on from a period where the Sarmatians were its enemies. You know, you've got Forgetius's book on the war against the Alans, where he despised how to fight the Alans, who were heavy cavalry and horse archers. 
So they've gradually become more gothic in there, if that's a strange word to say. So they've got a lot more heavy cavalry in their army now. They're did, a lot did less... they start using more artillery and things? Or chucky uh, things as well? I, that's a good one. I mean, if you, yeah, I, I, I've... The, what's it called? Gladiators. Well, there was certainly a switch from the Pelham more towards spear. Yes, they've, they've got a sort of spear, which is it's still a throwing spear, but it's more of a, it's something which can be used against cavalry as well. Okay. And their swords have got longer. They've, used, they've moved from the gladius to the spatha, which is, the spatha is a heavy cavalry sword. So it's longer and it's more, you know, it's more a slashing weapon than a stabbing weapon. Yeah. So, so it's kind of re reach out and touch me from, but is this being driven different, you know, because the empire split into two and then four. So is there a different evolution of military tech in, in the two sides of it? Or, or is there a sense of commonality across the empire at I this stage? To use apologies, that's a very good question, Tim. Right, okay. No, no, I, what I would say is that I think in, in the West, they've still got heavy infantry-based formations to fight Gothic heavy infantry. Um, in the East, they've adopted much more cavalry to fight the enemy. Yeah, they're adapting to their enemies in a lot of ways. You know, they've got more light horse of their own. What were, you know, the, uh, <coughs> the Moorish cavalry have become part of the units. So the units are named Illyricani, where they're light horse javelin who were from Dalmatia. And they're called Maori for when they're from North African bowmen. Um, but they've also adopted the cataphract from the Parthian and okay. from the wars of Palmyra. So they've, they've, they're adapting, yeah, they've, they've got much more heavy cavalry, they've got cataphracts, they're less reliant on the heavy infantry, but the heavy infantry is still there, particularly in the West. So, so is, there a, you know, is there a point at which this this is a period of transition so you actually get whatever set of rules you're using you get an army that has got a lot of different ways of being put together which you know as war gamers you always like is that one of the things that makes this this appealing even though it's just after that classic you know carry on cleo um square shield era um or or is a lot of this driven by the fact that um it's it's the no to digitatum. What? Why is this so popular with wargamers? Is it? Is it really because of Phil Barker's book, um, Armies and Enemies of Imperial Rome? I think once you, once you've sort of got past the um, Asterix the Gaul Roman era, and you know, which is the form that you, as a kid you brought up on Asterix the Gaul and the Romans looking like that, and you go, oh look, Romans now look like this at the end of the empire, and then you discover the shield designs and you get struck on that part of it, and. Uh, then you get, I think a lot of people can get a fascination with Auxilia Palatina. Yep. It turns into a massive debate of what were the Auxilia Palatina and how did they mm. quite fight? Were they heavy infantry or were they medium infantry? Do medium infantry actually exist? Yeah. Are they figments of our imagination? Yeah. <laughs> and then it becomes all fun and games like that sort of thing. So there's a great opportunity for wargamers to dis debate something with, with really exactly. strong opinions, even though they, nobody actually knows the answer. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's a fascinating part of history because you're running into the real... You know, I mean, the, the end of this army list, I would say, 
Let me just check it. Is are we talking about four oh five? Four twenty five, I think. So we're we're looking. At, you've got uh, what's the battle in the east of Empire where they get smashed by the Goths? Adrian Apple. Yeah, Adrian Apple. They get really tanked at Adrian Apple, and that's kind of the end of the Roman legions. That's a big. That's kind of an end. The end of that era, and we're we're basically talking the, the fall of the Roman Empire as an empire. I got the impression that a lot of it was to do with um, by after about 200 and never mind the civil wars of the other empires there that emperors that Rome was it was difficult to expand and it was difficult to maintain what it had because of the difficulty of recruiting troops to keep everything under control and bring in the taxes and that and so slowly obviously it took a couple hundred years but it started collapsing in under itself and the whole focus of military activity was trying to hold what they've got against incursions from people like the Goths and the Alans and people like that. So most of the Roman campaigns at that time were defensive campaigns where you're trying to push out invaders. I, I, they stopped expansion with Trajan. You know, Hadrian, okay. Hadrian who's up straight after Hadrian, Hadrian succeeds after Trajan. Hadrian's consolidating the empire and gets fixing its borders. This is a period where the empire is kind of almost too successful. Okay. Everybody wants to be a Roman, and that's particularly the point of view of the people who are beyond the Roman Empire. You know, so the, the, Roman, the Roman army was probably only, at the maximum, 300,000 people, men, defending mm. an empire of millions. And it's not a huge army. And to a large extent, the people, you know, the Goths who were beyond the Rhine and beyond the border, they want to get into the Roman Empire because they want to become Romans. They want to share in the Romans. And the Romans create sort of buffer areas on the borders, but gradually those become indeterminate and yeah, the army becomes Gothic troops fighting in Roman formations. But you know, as you go into the patrician phase, they, they, they just become Goths fighting as Goths for yeah. the Romans. This is this is an era, but of of kind of big blonde blokes dressed as Romans still though, um, yeah. and, and fighting it. And I think you know, I suspect everybody's got. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my own copy here of Armies and Enemies of Imperial Rome, which, by the looks of it, I bought from Leisure Games in Finchley for seven pound ninety five. I think yeah, these things mind. are probably about thirty quid on eBay now if you've got a second hand copy. But this um, the the legendary Barker book is. Uh, my introduction is dated January 1981. I don't know if that's a, I don't think that's a reprint. That's probably the the time when it came out. You know, the the legendary book. Does um does this what's in here still stand up? Because you know we're now talking 40 years later, um as as a way of doing it, other than generic questions about the veracity of the the nota digitatum and and the rest of it. Does this, does this really stand up still, or, or has there been much that's moved on since then that anybody's aware of? Because I know some of these books do, do get a bit dated. And, uh, and I think it still stands up quite strongly. I, I think Phil Parker did a damn good... I mean, I know, as, as I said before, I went for my interview to do Ancient History at UCL in London, and I was quoting parts of Phil Barker's book, and that blew them away at the interview, so they gave offered me what was unconditional offer, basically, to go. And I think that still stands up. You know, when you look at the original sources in the front, there's nobody more, you know, you've got Cassius, I mean, Ammianus Marcellinus, 
is the number one source. You know, that explains the cataphracts in the West and things like that. I don't think things have changed a huge amount. Okay. So when did the Roman legions stop wearing their armour? They didn't ever wear Roman leather armour. So that's <laughs> one thing that Barker might have... Um... Yes. But then that's one of the great war games debates. You know, we're, I mean, the, the debating over no titia dignatum. Right, let's, let's, should we do a debate over leather armour? I'll give you my view. Um, but isn't that what they were in Gladiator? Armor is the statues and death, the stellae on dead Romans, officers, and they're portrayed as officers and heroes. So they are portrayed in sort of um, a classical Greek form. So they, they're supposed to look like Greek gods. Uh, they're supposed to look like Achilles and things like that. And also, your basic image of a Roman emperor, someone like Augustus, is him wearing a classical, you know... Uh, uh, either muscle cuirass. Exactly, with a design on the front, so you'd have an image on the front of the cuirass of uh, the gods fighting, um, you know. So the emperor was depicted wearing that sort of muscled cuirass. So if you were an officer in the Roman army, when you died, you went to your burial and you were portrayed in your mausoleum with a looking a bit like the emperor. So it probably wasn't the way that the Roman soldiers actually dressed. They were probably more in scale armour or no armour. You know, but this is a quite a long period after, you know, I know, I know the Romans are a little bit obsessed with the Greeks and, and that kind of history and stuff, but this is now getting several hundred years after that kind of classic Greek time, which is, is quite a long time for that concept to stay into art, even for emperors. Yeah, not really. When you look at how even in modern times, sometimes people are depicted, you still have classicizing ideas um, now or in the Renaissance or in the 18th century. So it's, it's Britannia. being referred back to. So a couple of hundred years later, it's neither here nor there, really. When, when, they nicked various Greek gods and holidays and information from it as well. And the Greeks themselves were still knocking about. So it's not like they went anywhere. When, when yeah. we look at Byzantine soldiers, you know, none of us think that we all know that Byzantine heavy cavalry looked like Persian heavy cavalry wearing chain mail over their face and things like that. But if you look at any depictions of, you know, Byzantine depictions of soldiers, like their icons of uh, St. Michael and things like that, they're dressed like Romans. They've got patergias, they've got muscled cuirass and things like that. You know, if you look at the pictures of Byzantine, you know, Byzantines are a continuation of late Romans. The, the Byzantines are still depicting their soldiers in the same way that the late Romans depicting, you know, they're, they're dressed like Roman emperors. And I'll, I'll go another further on that. You go to the Carolingians, you go to Charlemagne. Charlemagne is depicted as a Roman emperor wearing a muscled cuirass and a Roman helmet. Okay, well, if it gets to Charlemagne, um, fine. That's that's far enough away, and it's it's almost also a hold steady reference, which makes me feel particularly happy. This means war. This means war. Um, point of leather armor, which was what it was meant to be. Hmm. Did leather exist yeah <laughs> you go, you yeah, go muscle dresses were almost certain were probably they might have been, had a leather covering but probably over bronze 
I think it's all Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I think there's a YouTube channel, Todd's Workshop, and he did some experiments a few weeks back with leather Mm. being treated. He's doing a whole series, sort of a lockdown longbow series. The sort of penetration of of longbow arrows against different different types of armour, even wood. And lever armor, no, didn't. Just doesn't didn't work. Do just really doesn't work. Okay, so yeah, it's just, it just purely went, cosmetic. Yeah, it just went straight through. Sure, I suppose they would do, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, because if someone shot you with an arrow in your shoes, yeah. you'd expect that to go through, wouldn't you? Even know. if you were wearing kind of heavyweight Doc Martens or something. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe leather armor wasn't really a thing. Um, and it just cut it through. So, So you end up with an army that, Going back onto the tabletop, if you're picking out soldiers for this, you've you've gone past the the square shield Romans, the you know that that high people. But are you using figures which are because you've gone towards those oval shields that become almost interchangeable with the the even the early Byzantines and the very late dominant Romans and and that real end of empire um, Romano British kind of they're almost a, sh- a shambles in a shower sort of thing. Does Is this the final point of Roman figure evolution or is there something specific? You know, is this a list that starts off with the end of the square shields and by the end of this list in, in 425, you're using figures who will take you all the way up to, um, you know, the end of Roman Britain and 800 AD or, or is there a specific thing that you want to be looking for when you're picking out figures for for this specific list i'd, I'd say the middle well, say shields has almost certainly all gone over sort of oval mm. middle imperial oval roman going oval but is that oval flat or is that oval still with a curve to them or uh, it's oval with a slight curve i mean so yeah. basically list 85 which is middle imperial rome in yeah. the which is the period before this which is 193 to 307 there they're getting to be it's, it's, that, that's a transition from the square shield to a curved ovalish shape, and by the end of that middle imperial Roman period, they are fighting with a oval yeah. shield. Now we're in a proper oval shield. That oval shield continues hmm. into the Justinian Byzantine. So Justinian Byzantine is basically another late Roman army. Yeah, it's the same. You know, except the Justinian Roman army has become more Persianized. In fact, a lot of their cavalry are actually Sassanid cavalrymen who've deserted or joined their side. Okay. So in some ways then, the would it be fair to say that from a war games figure point of view, this army sometimes gets a bit overlooked because it's not as, as funky as the patricians with all the barbarians in it and it's not as textbook as the early imperials with the square shields. But, uh, but it does cover quite a, a long period. The figures have evolved towards the the ones that carry on forever. But the real difference is that this is still an army that throws its spears, whereas you get more towards the, the Justinians and the Patricians and, and they're starting just to be long spears, anti pure anti-cavalry weapons, or, or again, am I maybe maybe over-egging it a bit with that one? Uh, the, the, I think they're still just about, they're, they're far from peel and I think they're still impact infantry. Their spear is still an impact weapon but it's decreasingly slow. 
I think that there's, there's not a lot of different. I mean, the patrician Roman arm infantry would have been the same as a late Roman infantryman. It's just the patricians is a lot more barbarian based, whereas the late Roman is becoming barbarian based. Okay. So yeah, the patricians, you've got your federati, haven't you? So the legions would be the, would look the same. It's just the patrician is a because the patrician is actually quite a short period of time, isn't it? Really, in in some of these lists, it sort of finishes about yeah, four yeah. four ninety. It's only yeah, fifty yeah. or sixty. I years think the way the list is portrayed, the Roman legions in the late Roman army are still armoured and impact, but and can be have some elites, but you, but it's pretty ordinary in the patrician list. <clears throat> okay. So yeah, so they're, they're the definitely downgraded the, a bit. Certainly not what it was. You've right. got a different. There's, there's another thing. In, so, okay, in the late Roman period, you have field armies, which okay. are based behind the lines, and they're there to go and meet the barbarians. But on the the, the, the borders, the Roman Empire's borders are called the limes, mm -hmm. and they have troops there called lim, uh, pseudo limitani. limitani, yeah. And they're just basically border guards and would be inferior troops, but the field army would go out. So Ammianus Marcellinus recounts the a battle, which is fighting the Goths in the West. And they basically go out with a field army, which includes cataphracts and proper Roman infantry to fight a Gothic army, which has got beyond the borders. Okay. This is having a pitch battle. Remember, don't get too hung up on patrician romans that's very much a war gamers construct yeah. um at some point they went right roman tax base and the roman recruitment base is getting so small that the legions are no longer big enough yeah. therefore we're going to say this is a different army because they're using lots of allied a lot yeah. more allied barbarians but there's no cut off it's a gradual slide yeah. to and i think I see. You know, I think that's the, that was the question I was asking. Really, it's for the Roman legionaries. There's, there's just a gradual decline. It's a, it's an arbitrary distinction about yeah. to say this is when they they gradually just got to a point at which we have to categorise them differently. But it could have been one of those lists that just you know some rule sets could just merge it into one, yeah. all the way up to the end of um the whatever four ninety six or something when the, yeah. the um when the empire actually split. So it's it's a slightly arbitrary thing to go. We're just mm. saying a shed load more actual barbarians dressed as barbarians after this date. If you look at the ADLG list, for instance, you could probably do a patrician army using the late imperial Roman list. Yeah. Don't exactly. have very many legionaries. Yeah. Don't grade them. Don't give them armour. Bring some Gothic allies. And that looks like a patrician. You know what I mean? There's That's no exactly the same. Yeah. Patrician yeah, Roman is called patrician Roman because Rome has been sacked. Rome, you know, Alaric and uh, people like that have taken over Italy. Then you've got the patricians of people like Stilicho. Stilicho is a Goth who was a Roman general and is there now declared himself a Roman. But he, in actual fact, he's leading a barbarian army, which includes some Romans. It's become, right. it's a barbarian army. So it's barbarian at the top, Rome. barbarian all the way through. That's just an arbitrary distinction. Okay. So in yeah, terms Stilicho of... Stilicho is classed as an imperial Roman uh, leader, not a patrician Roman leader. Yeah, that's 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 the that's the moment where you know the patricians are individual figures who claim to be Romans. You know that uh, you know. Oh, I'm 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 a Roman general, but they're actually just a barbarian who's 
Patrick Eases. And it, it, it's, it's falling to bits and... Uh, yeah. So, right, so in terms of figures then, um, I guess um, people have been having a look at what figures you would choose for these. Um, whether there's any particular ranges that, that you like or would put forward for, for some of these particular things in, in I guess, in 15s and, and 28. So if I go around the, around the houses a bit, and maybe this is armies that you put together or how you've done it or, or, or whatever. So Simon, I think you were, you were suggesting that, you know, you're trawling, you'd, Something in twenty eights that you've um, you've really has really jumped out at you. Yes, I, I, um, with the army looking quite pretty, I was looking for a set of miniatures that was a little bit more different to the usual guy with shield, guy with horse, guy with bow. And I found footsore miniatures. They've got a late Roman, Romano, British, early Byzantine range. It gives you quite an interesting range of, of twenty eight mil uh, figures. So you've got things like you, know, you can um, add priests if you want to, various Roman heavy cavalry. They've got some really nice Roman infantry, either in armoured infantry with cloaks, without cloaks, round shields, carrying spears. Some of them are kneeling. So it gives you quite a dynamic range, and especially in 28mm. You could have a bit of fun actually making up some quite nice looking bases and also having the different troop types. You can, uh, they're using, um, I think it was the LBMS um, shields, shield transfers. Um, you can get some really nice decals or shield transfers with um, the various icons in the front of it. They look really nice. And then they had these quite spectacular cataphracts that I could just imagine would look really nice if they're um, painted up. And Peter, just for you, they're painted up in purple. Um, sorry. I think gold. <laughs> gold. Yep. So that, nice bit of gold. Yeah, you'd be suitable there. But then they've got, got to bling them up. Yeah, but then being that they're also carrying into, sorry, carrying into the ancient British range uh, and that era of Goths and, and those ones, they've got like you know, Lady Guinevere, Lancelot and Merlin. So you can have just a little bit of fun just to um, make some new generals a bit more interesting. There's a warlord general uh, with someone's severed head, always a positive. Um, yeah, I thought for, from, a, from a range I hadn't really paid any attention to, if I was going to do a 28 mil Roman army of this period, I'd be looking at them going, hmm, my credit card's going to get yeah. very shortly. These are built up because uh, one of the Saga armies was um, uh, late Roman, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of foot swords ranges are based around Saga. I think there's a kind of some sort of historic um, connection between footsore and, and gripping beast i'm not sure whether the sculptors have been the same or, or whatever and um, um and it was bill from musketeer miniatures that sort of became footsore as well but they do put out a lot of good stuff for the the games that well for saga and, and for the games they support themselves and i think because there's that historic link with gripping beast they're really compatible size wise and, and a bit stylistically as well with with the gripping beast figures even those gripping beast plastic set of late romans um which is you know obviously sort of saga designed it's that that set is a little <laughs> bit archer heavy possibly you, you have to do a bit of conversion on those plastic figures but to mix in with that 40 odd strong 
plastic box to to get you up to a, a decent bulk for 20 quid and then start buying in some of these figures there's some really really nice personality figures in in that footsaw range um for sure you know it's it's one i always i always kind of look at and, and i'm tempted by um but that compatibility with the gri gripping beast stuff is is a real plus for me just because it it makes a 28 mil army with variety but still be kind of super affordable um as well so no that's a that's a really really lovely range and that will take you all the way up as you say even, even into that sub-roman british and into the sort of beyond the early part of the byzantines as well uh, if you're talking sub-roman sub -Roman, sort of arthurian i think artisan and crusader yes ranges as well that would fit yep no you there's a lot of ranges that will will mix in because of that that kind of common heritage okay I don't know how they mix, how well they mix with the uh, Um, I, Well, I, th I think some of the ones I've got, some of those Artisan and Crusader are a little bit more bulky, but Footsaw are also quite simple figures. Um, you know, they're quite cleanly cast. Um, some of them, they've got the matching range of Goths as well to do it, um, which fits very well with those those GB plastics. Um, so, Tamzum, have you looked at any any particular ranges for this army or...? I haven't look, looked at mean, because several years ago, I bought I bought a, uh, an army that had been painted by somebody else. Wow, okay, that's a result. Uh, it, was um, all, it was all Essex miniatures. Uh, yeah. I bought it, bought it fully painted. It was, for, uh, I think it was uh, about 750-point fog army. Okay. So uh, was that? They, were, they were all Essex. Um, so yeah. it, was, uh, it, was a, it was an early birthday present to myself. Okay. All right. Okay. Was that the Essex, um, when the Essex has got that sort of strangely weirdly running auxilia, or, or was it a bit later on in Essex when they're a little bit more variety in their poses? Um, I, I, haven't there a, I haven't looked at it for a while, so I couldn't look at it. Years, can't even remember. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Um, Dave, what, what about you? Is this an army that you've, you've collected and put together? It was the first army I painted when I started again 10 years ago. And, oh, uh, wow. Okay. Essex with uh, Veni Vidi Vici uh, transfers. The water slide ones, yeah. Yeah, I like those because they've got the sort of like uh, accurate sort of for the Batavi regiments and things like that. But I, I've, I've redone it and I've, I've Legio Heroica. Legio Heroica, late Romans are, are fantastic figures, absolutely beautiful love them to bits and that's the army i mean i painted that about three years ago and i still get it out and stare at it and think wow did i manage to paint that oh wow okay is did, they're that good did you do that with um shield transfers as well or yeah they're from uh i'm, I'm sure they're, they're from little big man yes yeah sure. fact, definitely they are but it, i think the legio heroica figures are they're less animated so the legionaries you know, they, they've got a figure with a crested helmet and without a crested, crested helmet, and there's three variations, but they're all kind of just marching. So it's like a Napoleonic regiment marching with a... Okay. You know, I've got a famous story about somebody asking for a head looking left, which I'll yeah. know for <laughs> yep. another time. But, yes. So they all look kind of similar. But also, they've got the unarmoured infantry for the medium infantry wearing... Yeah, the late Romans supposedly wore this strange pillbox fur hat. Mm. Vary them up or have, you know, I've got, I mean, so I've got 
my legionaries are armoured. Um, the Lego Heroica figures have got beautiful um, chain mail, so it's something you can paint black and then dry brush grey uh, metal over, and it looks really paints. Then the shields are just fantastic because you know you've got the little big man shields transfers of really really good for the Notitia Dignitatum. So, uh, and what about for the um, what about for the cavalry and stuff that goes with this army? Is there any cataphracts or cataphracts? But um, the, the cataphracts are distinctly Roman. The, the Legio Roca cataphracts are very nice. They don't have shields, as far as I remember, uh, or maybe small ones. But then the Equites, little big man, do the transfers from the Notitia Dignitatum again. As much okay. as and and they're they're fantastic. And and again, the light horse as well. So are the um, do the cavalry have quite big shields to use those transfers, or are they just the little kind of dotty Byzantine shields? Um, no, they've got the same large shields. So uh, you, you know, I mean, there's one. I've, I think I've used a few Byzantine shields, which have got more of a Christian image of the of the saints on horse on them for the generals and things like that, which really look good. Yeah. Okay. So Legia Heroica would be your, your choice on this one. Um, all right. Yeah, Peter, very much so. Eight heavy foot, six to eight medium foot. They all look great. Okay. And Peter, what, what about you? Because you've used this army as well, I think. You've, have you won a competition with it, I think? Yeah, I, one of the first competitions I, I went in back in, I think it was 2016. 16, yeah. No, I think that's a, looking back. Um, yeah. Roll call, yeah. Um, mm. But um, I just reused my uh, Imperials. Um, so oh. they all had the square <laughs> shields. The the round ones, I actually pulled it out uh, the other day to have a look at it. And um, I, the auxiliary of uh, the uh, circular shields, so I could... Mm. Uh, reuse and repurpose all those if I wanted to build it out. Um, I, um, I was looking at the uh, Leisure Heroica as well as the um, War and Empire ones. So um, I think I could probably, you know, beef out what I've got to create a sort of uh, late Roman uh, list. Um, I quite enjoyed it when I played it. Um, it, was, it was a good one to play, but uh, yeah, I've still got the load of the square shields for the heavy infantry and that, so <laughs> I, I could swap out and upgrade and have a lot more chainmail, I think. Um, but um, I think I'd uh, try some of the contrast paints on that um, if I was doing it all over again. It's, it's one of those that, I, 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 for the amount of times I actually play it, um, it's always been a nice to do to go and do the extra stuff. Um, because we went through a phase of Romans did really well at the start of ADLG, then we worked out how to do them, then people using elephants, and it's, I think we could almost go full circle going back again on it. Um, I looked at it for the 28 mil because um, it looked fun, but um, I just have an awful time with the decals, which I'd have to do for the shields. Um, so <laughs> yeah, you definitely do it 28, yeah. Yeah, so... I, I like the Le Le Leisure Heroica, as Dave was saying. I don't think I'd do them as, uh, as good a justice as he does. Um, but I'd probably mix them up with some of the War and Empire ones because um, for a bit of variety, because uh, for a bit of movement in it. Mm, okay. Um, Adam, what, what about you? Is this an army that you've looked at or, or, or considered putting together? Um, or one you own, maybe? It's an army that I am... Um... At the very moment, considering putting together, because I'm just uh, finishing my early Imperial Romans, 
And I think I'm never going to paint a 15 mil figure again. So okay. I went into another 28 mil, 25 mil army. And I was thinking, I like the idea of doing late Imperial Romans as a contrast to the early Imperial Romans, because um, there's that whole history thing going on. Um, but as an army to play, it's different enough to make it a different army to play. So that's interesting. Um, so I was looking at, um, and I do like 25 mil armies, but they can get quite expensive. So basing them on plus the good plastic ranges, yeah. and there are quite a lot of good plastic ranges. So I was looking at the gripping beast. So I'm um, listening to people talk earlier. Is the idea of sort of like basing on the plastic gripping piece, beast ones and using footsaw to add, expand, um, et cetera, a goer? You, well, you've that, got others than just um, uh, gripping beasts as well. You've got other plastic ranges that you can actually utilize. So you could get a, a fairly mixed bag. Um, from the stuff I'd looked at, because I was doing a research for this when I was doing the 28 mil army for my son, um, I'd use them for the, the key units. Uh, and then um, like command or certain ones that you want to pick out, I'd use like either footsaw or some of the gripping beast metals because awesome. uh, I, I got a lot of them when I was doing my saga stuff and I did exactly the same thing and it mixed quite nicely. The only weird thing you do is when you're actually moving it around the table and you know, you've got a heavy one and all of a sudden you've got a very <laughs> light one. So yeah. I found myself chucking it around a couple of times. Because I was assuming, which can be the mother of all mm. ups, um, that the metal gripping beast would mix with the plastic gripping beast. No, they, they do. I think the, the only thing with the plastic, because I've got my, I think mine was set up almost as later, even you know, almost into sub-Roman um, Romans, but the Gripping Beast plastic set, um, pr from, from memory, I think all of the figures are unarmoured. Um, okay. They're wearing that kind of smock thing with the, the stripy bits on the shoulders. Mm -hmm. uh, nearly all of them are unarmoured. And you get, on each sprue, I think you get three infantry with swords or, or spears and two bowmen now you can convert one of the bowmen just about through um hacking up one of the arms or putting different things on it but but i think that mix is for saga where you get big units of bowmen and it's you end up with too many bowmen um I, I think sometimes for for that you'd have to do a bit of hacking and i think the gripping beast plastics like a lot of their plastic sprues are just a little too limited to only use them you know maybe it is actually a, a commercial marketing design thing of you don't just want to have their plastic figures you do need to mix them in so i'd, I'd mixed in so i think some foot saw and some gripping beast and i'd tried a few foundry but the foundry ones were were a little bit smaller they're, they're nice figures but they were noticeably smaller so if there's just sort of one or two on a base packed in with seven or eight figures it's all right but but you wouldn't necessarily want to want to kind of mix them as much. Um, gripping beast metals, probably... short foot saw metals would go with the gripping beast plastic. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, indeed. And um, and the gripping beast plastic gothic cavalry are an almost perfect match for the um, the foot saw gothic cavalry as well, even even stylistically to get your hairy barbarian cavalry. Then you've got this like the um, light cavalry, the box of yeah, um, yeah. that's your. Or there's quite a few people on eBay sell single sprues as well, you know, because sometimes getting 12 light cavalry might be a bit much, but sometimes you can mix them into the other ones. So, so I think that's, that's a really viable way of doing it in, in 28 mil. Um, there's a couple of other different manufacturers, but I, I think across foot saw and, and gripping beast, you, you pretty much got this nailed. 
Um, but yeah, check on the Gripping Beast sprue to see if there's any of them are armoured, because if you want to deploy armoured legionaries, you are buying them, I think, from memory, mostly in metal, depending on if there is a single armoured oh, figure on that sprue. find the ones with the eagle on the shields of the armoured ones. Yeah, you could. Um, yeah. yeah. And they're wearing something. Yeah. They're wearing a, a smock over it or whatever. Okay. Andy, is, is this um, could you, an army? Just, oh. just a oh, quick good. question. Um, could you reuse like early Byzantine for the late Imperial, uh, for the late Romans? I, so I've, I've, I've done a Legia Heroica late Roman army, and then I've done a Warren's Empire. Just, so Justinian Byzantine is quite similar. But I, the figures, the War and Empire ranges figures of Justinians are really good. I mean, the infantry are, are very similar, but the cavalry are quite different in sort of like subtle ways. And um, I think the yeah, the War and Empire range of uh, Justinian Byzantines are really good, really good. The answer, um, to be honest, it depends on your tolerances. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I know Tim's got Tim's got some base of. Um, um, day glow green um, Chinese people, yeah. And that yeah. you can reuse for 2,000 years of history from anywhere yeah. in India. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Adam, you, 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 you might... late Roman infantry down as early boys and times Kutati, yeah, that, that they look more than close enough. Hmm. You might have someone come up and say, I think you'll find that. Um, and then it depends whether you want to have that conversation or not. Um, the reason why I say it is uh, Aventine miniatures. I was having a look at those because I, I like their elephants. I've bought elephants from them before, which I've got elephants from so many different manufacturers. Um, that's a different thing. They, they've got some early Byzantine heavy foot. And I was just reading it. They actually take the uh, little big uh, man um, transfers from for either late Roman or early Byzantines, but they do a whole of uh, they, they, that sort of plastic uh, cast thing, so you can get a whole unit for 20 quid. Oh, uh, right. that's weird. Like a, a dozen heavy foot. Hmm. No, I was just, sorry, I was just looking at them and um, trying to see where their Byzantine oh, ranges nice. are. Um, so, oh, oh, this new ones, new products for November. Yeah. Okay. So this uh, is... Um, all right. Okay. So, yeah, they I think that um, leather kind of strapping over the the shoulders is possibly a bit more specifically Byzantine, um, and they've all got those pillbox hats. Maybe there's maybe that's pushing it a little bit. I'm not entirely sure. Um, the the one I'm looking at has got you know they've got the large shields and the um, like the helmets with the bit of a sort of like uh, tail on them sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Justinian infantry would look very much like Romans, but with a more speary, you know, but not too speary, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but their cavalry would be much more Persian in, in appearance. Yeah, I, I actually looking at those Aventine ones, they are they are lovely, but I think it's maybe it is that difference of those aren't spears you throw. Um, That's what you want. On the figures, you want spears that are sort of chuckable. But these are, you know, long spears. Because I've got, um, in 15 mil, it's an army for me that kind of falls halfway between two sets of figures that that I've got. And I've got some, um, a Donington, probably middle um, Imperial Roman army that's got 
sort of semi-curved shields and and the infantry are in a mix of chainmail and and lorica segmenter whatever it is um so they're half rounded shields but not not entirely rounded and then i kind of go to this strategy and tactica this kind of odd little italian supplier that i actually got some of them in canada that have got proper you know oval fully rounded shields that are sold as an early byzantine range but if you actually look at the the spears those really are kind of long spear um you know 10 12 foot you stick it in the ground and you poke someone you're not chucking that at anybody um anytime soon um thing so so i think mine there's a possibility that i've got clearly from from using dbm and and seventh edition armies i've just got so many um, of the auxilia figures from donington as well that have all got those very big flat round shields that i could always rebase some of those up because you don't seem to need that many roman legions in this army um you know it's it's not necessarily an army where you're putting yeah. stacks and stacks of them on maximum, table you're maximum six bases so yeah. 48 figures yeah, but, 48 figures but whether you're ever putting the six on table i'm i'm not sure um is is a possibility so i think it it sort of falls between those two but i think you know i'm i'm a big fan again of with dave of legio heroica um I guess the other thing is the you know the old um, um, whatever it was range that Plastic Soldier have now come out with in in the plastic is a is a possibility. Uh, um, Bellum. Yeah, well, the old, I ones. Yeah, no, no, but, but this is their their range that they brought out for late Romans was actually a I'm getting that wrong. It was a Lurkio range, wasn't it? It was a a new yeah. set, but um, um, you know, uh, it was PSC. I've PSC ones were. Yeah. Corpus Belli and and Lurkios. Yeah, so I think the the late Romans are Lurkio, but then you're yeah. you're buying them in kind of funny packs, and I think they look a, a smidge cartoony um, the, for me. But, but Corpus, I suppose with this, but I suppose with these, the Corpus Belli box set. Sorry, uh, the Corpus Spell box set. That was the the first set I did when I got back to uh, doing painting miniatures. Uh, but that's the square shield one, though, isn't it? That's the um, oh, yeah, 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 I just that's uh, the early imperial, yeah. yeah, 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 wow, no, but no, no, but the lurky ones that PSC yeah. do are late Romans with round shields, and and I think you can get so fixated on the shields and the shield patterns and the LBMS transfers that in some ways it kind of doesn't quite matter what the, the figures are, but um, I don't know, I, I think I'd probably lean Legio Heroica or if, if I was doing that or. Or I'd just say, look, I'm fielding either a very early period army or a very late period army, and use my my middle or my um, my post ones. But and then in um, in 28s, I do have a I think about five or six bases of legions, and then some bases of auxilia which use the gripping beast ones. But I've gone for the really late shield patterns where they're all different and they've got a lot of Christian symbols on them and and things like that. So the shield patterns don't really wash for the the late Romans. Um, the figures would be be exactly the same, but I think I'm not sure I want to do the same set again just to put on a different set of LBMS transfers. So um, I, I might kind of blag it with with that one as well. Um, so I think that that is a oh Andy, um, sorry you're you're still there, sat in the middle of the screen. Is this um is this an army that you've you've collected that you've looked at? Uh, yes, I, I I bought a most of a second hand army a few years ago from Instant Armies in Burton one year, okay. and then fleshed it out with a few bits of um, stuff. Sean gave me some 
Leeds movies, I think they were Legio Heroica, and but that only gave me three units. So I bought three units of uh, War and Empire um, legionaries with with the Kickstarter last year, and I painted them up, and I thought they came out quite nicely. Um, I must admit, the little big, big man um, transfers drive me mad. I just find the Roman ones are very difficult to use. So I did the shields free-handed, and I copied a, a shield pattern from some figures I'd borrowed from Ian Mackay. Yeah, I think the, one of the big advantages with um, the old Nota What's It is that there are some simple shield patterns as well, as well as the really complicated ones. So there is always a viable, credible one that is is doable yourself. I think the the Byzantine figures I've got, I, I did my own shield pattern. Um, whereas I think the slightly earlier ones, it is just getting a bit more complex to do. So, yeah. so I've got a 15 mil army and um, I've used it a bit. Clive and I had a bit of fun with, with, with a... a doubles competition in Golden Tag in, in Cardiff a few years ago mm-hmm. where four, there were four, four um, armies of patrician Romans. We were the only one of late imperial Romans yeah. and we thought what do they know that we don't and it turns out we finished above them all and oh. the, the, funny, the, the funniest bit of the whole competition was uh, I had a, we had a, a gothic allied command as part of the um, army and mm. we were playing Don McHugh who was the umpire and his partner I can't remember who it was and at one point I was using my command and I said right I'm going to hold them rather than charge in and Clive said oh you can do a free rally with that and Don said no you can't and Clive said yes you can and he said I'm the umpire and Clive said well have a look at the rules yeah and sure <laughs> enough Clive was right oh <laughs> Well, that's that's a double win then, isn't it? If, if something where Clive was right and Don was wrong, that's um, well, you yes, get double it, points it, it, for that, that one, don't a, you? Yes, that's also that's also the competition where, in the last game, uh, Clive's game wasn't going too well, so he ceremoniously sacrificed his die by throwing it in a bin, and mm. after that, he didn't roll a one. Perfect. Well, I suppose if you do it late was enough that, in the game, that's that safe. Was that an ADLG game? Pardon? Was that an ADLG game? Yeah. It's ADLG doubles in, in, in uh, Cardiff. You also get to rally one of the bases. If you if if you if you've got a command with a yeah. with impetuous troops and you spend the three pips to hold them rather than charge, you get one free rally with that group. Okay, what you can pick a base and say I'm attempting to rally that yeah. one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no I can rally all of them. You don't. Need, you can do more than one. Oh, okay, blimey, that's even better. No, no, well, you get no, one no, attempt at rallying. No, you, you get, get one. one you get rally. one rally without spending any more pips. If you want to yep. rally any more than one, you have to spend pips for it. Okay. Yep. I've right, got one. Bad. Um, what's it? George Dick in Scotland. Hmm. Got a late Roman army from Splintered Light, who are this okay. manufacturer in America. And yeah. He's completely reshaped them morph them what's the word um customize them customize them yeah yeah and he's built a shield wall and they look absolutely incredible I mean, they're basically romano british roman infantry yeah he's, splintered light do that great range of romano british he's got them so the shields overlap and i think there's some that you know it was a long time ago i saw them and well he, he made a hell of a lot of effort with them and they were fantastic yeah, no, I've, I've not seen splintered light stuff around for a while, but that's a good catch, actually. I do remember that's um, that's a good range. Uh, it's um, 
I think everybody gets obsessed with Curacao as the one from the States, but Splintered yeah. Light has got some really fantastic stuff at that kind of end of Roman Empire as well yeah. in 15 mil. Curacao has also got um, Romans. I was looking at those. It's just if they had better postage, I'd buy a lot more of stuff. Yeah, I think that's to do with the whole America thing, really, isn't it? That's the, the problem. And I think none of us are whizzing yeah. over there to pick some up anytime soon, unfortunately, either. Well, now so. you know what it's like to be American, always trying to buy figures from Nottingham. Yes. yes. Mm. <laughs> I suppose so. That's the alternative. This means war. Oh, well, look, I think that's, um, that's a good canter through um, the, the bit of the history of that army and a bit of the, the figure choice as well. Some of the painting things, a couple of different scales, which was, is good as well. We've got away from, from just the 15 mil. So we're, we're creeping up quite a lot on the time point of view. So I think what we need to do then quickly is we've got, we've got all, I think we've got two different quiz related things. So that's possibly another opportunity for the music before we kind of wrap up for the week. Um, so I think, Without further ado, we should head into, first of all, Andy's quiz. After the world of French disco then, um, I think it's, this is now two weeks since our last one. Andy, do you, do you even remember what we were talking about two weeks ago? Uh, yes, because I happened to write it down. Uh, oh, <laughs> cheating, cheating. No, it's just called being organised, which I am occasionally. But okay. the, two weeks ago, it was all about the Big Bang Theory, if you remember. And ah, yes. I explained about three different explosions that took place in history. And I, want, I gave you the date and the rough location, and you had to tell me what went bang. Now, I, th I think, Tim, you actually might know the answer to one from the sort of answers, you, the sounds you were making. So let's see if first. you know this one. Yeah. The first Big Bang was on the American continent on the 30th of July, 1864. So who or what went bang on that occasion? That was a mine underneath some trenches in um, a sort of siege battle around a town somewhere south of Washington, D.C. that me, Adam and Steve went to and we have looked into the big resulting hole. And I'm still struggling to remember the name of Is it? Petersburg, Battle of the Great Petersburg, Air. yeah, because I was thinking... Petersburg, that's right, yeah. Petersburg, yeah, we, we've looked into that hole. Yeah, exactly. I've it's been still there, there as well, yeah. Um, <laughs> if if you've ever seen the movie well. Cold Mountain, the first part yeah. of that movie deals with that... Um, and the hole was a lot smaller than what it was in the movie. Yeah. Because in the yeah. movie... <laughs> you, <think laughs> you, still had, you still had a lot of unfortunate black troops piling in there and not knowing what they were doing when they got in there because of yeah. poor leadership. Um, but um, so that was that was thirtieth uh, of July, eighteen sixty-four. Yeah. So the next the next big bang I wanted to know about was on the seventh of June, nineteen seventeen, in Europe. Messines. That's right. So another siege. Um, that was another mine under tr under trenches. It, well, in fact, it's more than that because there was a whole oh, ridge. Mines, a lot of mines under the German trenches. Trench they put twenty-one. They, they dug twenty-one tunnels. Each one they packed with 50,000 pounds of high explosive and set these all off within 10 seconds of each other. Um, and you had field guns, horses, limbers, everything flying up 100 feet in the air. And the British just walked over and, you know, the Germans are completely shell-shocked by this. Now, they set off 21 mines. In fact, 19 went up. 
One went up in 1955, and there's another one that still hasn't gone up. And so somewhere in Belgium, there's a hole in the ground with 50,000 pounds of high explosive that's been sitting there for over 100 years. Okay, well, well, luckily, all of us are banned from going to Belgium at the moment, so um, none of us can actually set that off in the near future. Which yeah. seems and, and, and even more sad is no one near Charleroi. No, I guess so. Um, no one would ever notice. Um, so finally, well, Andy, and final question. The final question was, something went bang in the Mediterranean area on the 26th of November 1941. Nope, silence all round. Okay, that was a battleship called HMS Barham, and it was torpedoed by a U-boat. You can actually see pictures on, on YouTube, but basically what happened was uh, the U-boat fired a torpedo which hit the ship, it heeled over, and as it got past the horizontal, the whole thing blew up and um, about 800 people were killed in the explosion. Okay. So that so was a bit big sad for the there, people involved. week the quiz is um it's roman related and i've got six names of real romans so there's not bigger stickers or anything like that and two of them were empire emperors in the late roman period two were emperors in the early roman period and two of them were consuls in an earlier period so i just give you the names and you've got to guess whether they were late early or consul so the first name is Didius Julianus. You sure you haven't made these up? Yeah. I, I promise <laughs> you. Right. Continentia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bit, bit relevant right now. That, 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 was, no, that was his name. Right? Second Maximus. one was somebody. Second, pardon? Lutius Maximus. No, 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 not him. No, there was a, <laughs> no. no Magnus Maximus. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Sorry, Magnus Maximius, beg your pardon, I can't read me on writing. Yeah. Right. Then, Isn't that a, a cider at a pub? Yeah. Otto, O-T-H-O. Yeah. Then, you love this one, Publius Valerius Poplicola. Poplicola. Right. Um, then, Julian. Julian. And Marcus Claudius... Marcellus. And with so that's six people and we're splitting them all into early, middle and late. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right, essentially, yeah. Early, middle. The only ones okay. being consuls rather than them. Um, uh, all but one. All but one. Fantastic. All right. Well, that's that's one thing for next week then. quiz receding into the distance um this podcast is just about due to recede into the distance this week as well and um before we go in one final um, throwback to two weeks ago we've got um we've got a very very scientific high-tech way of determining um well you, you may remember <laughs> at least a number of you remember that we asked a question about um which which branch um of john lewis was dave's favorite haberdashery department in um, in in London, and we invited our um, currently I think 
113 on Podbean plus some on YouTube plus some on Google um, listeners from last week's episode to to email in and potentially win a set of well, one of them will win not potentially win a set of um, casualty markers from from Vexilia. Um, Martin of Vexilia has very kindly sent them to me, and I've got them sat here in a box ready to um, ready to post off. I can kind of shake them. Give you a bit of casualty marker noise going on there. Um, so we ended up with with four entries, which is which is What's astonishing. Four whole entries. That's at least four people, as well as us, who who listened to the end of it um, of the podcast from last week, and and could put um, finger to keypad and and send in an email to suggest it. So so I've got the four names um, from from all corners of Europe um, sat here in front of me. Don't read them out until I'm not going to read them out. The no, I, I won't read them out at all. But um, it's just if we do the random thing, and we've got we've gone for a low tech solution this time after. Simon's um, computers, obviously, this is too complicated, picking just one of four numbers. So um, I think we've got Tamsin, the expert in, in small-scale figure skirmishing, to use a D4, um, an old-school proper dice, to roll away. So I've got the four listed here. So, so Tamsin, if you could roll, roll the dice. We need a dice rolling sound. Two. Two. Oh. And that is, it's two, and that's James Alexander Clay. One of our um, most loyal fans and listeners, um, as I believe I've actually seen him post online. So, well done, James. We will um, we will get hold of your address and post this off to you. And um, I'm sure you'll be able to post a celebratory picture on Facebook or something for us to to do that. So, um, that was grand. Um, that's the first thing we've actually been sent in 24 episodes of this. Wonderful, and we've given it away immediately. Um, didn't we do well? So, look, thank you everybody for for sitting this. We're now into proper lockdown. So I'm expecting lots and lots more painting, lots more stories by next week. So thank you, everybody, and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.